Shabang. Bada bing! I'm gonna do the bada bing. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the third season of the 10 Minute Break Podcast, a podcast presented by Jesuits Campus Ministry. Talk about faith, culture, Jesuit Blue Jays, and the like. Uh, I'm joined today by, I'm joined today with Killian Lyon, the prefect of the junior sodality, and Patrick Dad, the assistant to the prefect. Oh, come on. Yes. Patrick, what is your actual role in sodality? My actual role is the uh, assistant prefect. In essence, the prefect of junior sodality. But but what you actually just assist Killian, right? Uh, yeah. So you could. It's more accurate to say you're the assistant to the prefect. But no. But he, <laughs> I have my have my own roles that are totally separate. Yeah. Wh- from which are I have to do the announcements in the group chat, which I don't do. Don't I do this? Yes. Like <laughs> yeah. I do. Yeah. I do make sure our sacristan always has people. That is true. All right. Here's here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm the prefect. And I'm kind of the guy who focuses on inclusion. Patrick, my friend here, my assistant to the prefect, is the iron fist. All right? You miss a mass. <laughs> you, you miss a mass. You are going to hear it from the iron fist, either by text via email. Patrick the Iron Fist Dad. Yes. Patrick the, the Iron Fist yeah. Dad. Yes. That is the deal. So, Killian, speaking of uh, recent news, though, in Sodality, uh, the, the word on the street is that you are now the reigning cornhole tournament champion. Exactly. And I'm so glad to have won that tournament to prove to all the haters. <laughs> <laughs> Who are the haters? Who are the haters? Rowan, my, my fellow assistant to the prefect, Iron Fist out. Oh, just last year, Miles Cavanaugh had he he showed up late to the tournament, had to get a couple shots done. He uh we got excluded from the bracket. It just it wasn't fair. We knew that next year, that next year we would win. Uh, I just have something to say real quick. Uh huh. If I had not been occupied with other more important things and my Loyal partner Roland Wagesback, starting left guard, left la- left tackle oh, he's on the football up. team. If if we'd been participating in that tournament, he wouldn't even be sad right now because he would have known from the start he would have been losing. There would no see, shot. That, that's not true. That is not true. Because let me tell you something. Miles Cavanaugh, Cavanaugh, Miles Cavanaugh, Boston. <laughs> Miles Cavanaugh and I were on fire. We were carrying each other. Making it in the hole, sinking it, warm ups. I had three in a row. Four in a, I had four in a row one time. I have a. Ain't that incredible? Yeah, Mr. Flores, since yeah. you were, I believe, the person who got absolutely demolished by the said team, how were they actually playing at such a high level that it was incomparable to even. It was yeah. impossible yeah. to try I to. I think we need to just take a few steps back just to be clear. This is the <laughs> Sodality <laughs> Cornhole <laughs> Tournament prior to a football game. <laughs> uh, but which which father die and I are the reigning or previously were the reigning champions? We had not lost in over two years since the pandemic began. Uh, right. I'll say this: Miles Cavanaugh from from Boston uh, was <laughs> if he it, when he threw it, it either went in or it did not go on the board. <laughs> that, is true. that is true. Miles will airmail it every single time, so you just got to go on your knees and pray 
Hence the Sodality <laughs> Annual Cornhole Tournament. That was pretty well, good. Yeah. So congratulations to Killian. And then Dad, you Thank mentioned you. Uh, you're you've been pretty busy though with with cross country. How's the team going and doing this year? Um. Yeah, we've been uh, looking really good this year. Uh, after last cross country season, we had a tough loss to Catholic at State, but we kept moving forward and we had a good track season all around last year with the uh, individual titles in the 1600 and 3200 at State. And we've been training all summer and getting ready to have a great season. And la- a couple weeks ago, we went out to Huntsville, competed against a lot of uh, good teams in the South, and we came out on top. It was a great, great start way to start our season. Look to keep accomplishing the same thing as the season moved forward. So would you say that, like, is this, is this the year that Jesuit reclaims our rightful place on the, uh, the top of the podium there? Um, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but I think if we keep working hard and we keep our eyes set on the goal, I think we have a good shot of, uh, of putting ourselves right back up on top. Nice. Well, good. Well, so uh, we guess we can just jump into the, the topics for, for today. Um, so, again, thank you guys for being here. And yesterday we had the Feast of the Archangels. Uh, and it just got me thinking that a lot of people uh, probably have some ideas about angels that may or may not uh, match up with the reality of what angels are or anything. So what I wanted to do is kind of like just maybe throw out some questions to you and just get your opinion or your take on uh, what are the angels all about and specifically maybe the archangels. But like if you had to come up with your definition of what an angel is, what do you think an angel is? Yeah. Personally, for me, I believe that an angel is the most loyal servant to God. He would stay by God, and they come down to earth, the guardian angels. They're kind of our guides in order to get to heaven. They're always watching us. They're always there. They're, they're, they're God's army. I mean, I think it's great to think. Um it's kind of hard, I think, to compare angels to oneself as a person because kind of like how we consider ourselves like higher level of thinking than like a dog or a cat, I think angels have that greater level of understanding of like what's good and what's better for us. I think that's what defines them as an angel rather than a maybe a soul in heaven. And that's why they can come down with their all-knowingness and watch over us as we tackle the obstacles of our daily lives. That is a good point. Maybe they don't get distracted from material things. They focus yes. truly on spiritual. Yeah, and that's good. I mean, I'm glad you all mentioned that because when I quizzed my eighth graders after the Mass yesterday, if we become angels after we die, yeah, Killian's shaking his head right now. Uh, a majority of the eighth grade class, and it's nothing against my eighth graders, so if, if you're listening, uh, nothing against you. But a majority of them believe like, oh yeah, when we die, we become angels and we get our wings and we fly into heaven. Uh, you know, that's not quite exactly what the church teaches about angels. Uh, but, but a question that follows from that that I guess I was thinking about with my eighth graders and then maybe you guys can take it to your own friends and maybe beyond the walls of Jesuit High School. Do, do we believe in angels? Uh, do, we, do, people, like, do we live our daily lives believing that there are angels and perhaps on the flip side of that there are demons? Or do you think this is sort of an afterthought uh, or not even a thought in most people's minds when they go about their day? Well, we can confirm that the church does believe in demons because of the exorcists that are in each archdiocese. And with that, if we believe in demons, obviously we believe in angels. And where 
I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Exorcist uh, in the arts. <laughs> Exorcist <dies>. in demons? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense, right? I, mean, yeah. uh, I think from a practical standpoint, uh, a lot of people might look back and think about, oh, yeah, there might be an angel watching over me. That thing I might have been tempted towards or might have done wrong might have been a demon. But I think in our daily lives every day, I think the majority of people don't look at something that they register in their mind as bad as being a temptation from a demon or from Satan. And I think they don't understand like good things that happen to us. I think a lot of people, a lot of Catholics and Christians take those things and don't necessarily um, associate them with an angel of God giving you some kind of grace. Or that coming from God and that grace coming to you. I think a lot of people just take that as just a random coincidence and don't understand that connection. That's a good point. I agree with that. <laughs> I like it. That's I like a it. That's a good point. point. I, 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 I mean, like, well, I, I can't say anything else. I mean, I'm just not, not, not a lot of people think that everything that good happens to them is some sort of grace from God hearing your prayers and giving you what you ask and in 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 return you have to pray a lot of prayers with thanksgiving to god so every night just say something that you're thankful for always because it's truly god that's giving you those things well that actually that's a good i think transition then into one of the other things i wanted to talk to you guys about which is your involvement in something like sodality um, for those of you who don't know, Sodality is a group of students here at Jesuit that meets once a week uh, for some sort of meeting, either on spiritual formation, uh, getting together as brothers in Christ. Uh, but they also make a number of commitments to do service, go to daily mass at least once a week in addition to Sunday, and then also to go to confession at least once a month. Uh, and then, yeah, to make a retreat uh, once a year. So I guess what I wanted to ask you then, like, because Killen, you kind of brought this up just now, is you know, what's been the impact of sodality in your life? How has it affected your faith life? Or, you know, on the flip side, like if you were not in sodality, do you think you'd have as strong a faith as you do now? Uh, and then maybe, if yeah, if you have any words of encouragement to guys, maybe think about joining sodality. Well, sodality has 100% improved my faith life. Coming from the little kid that I was in eighth grade, joining sodality, I kind of wanted to do it to be like to have friends to kind of join that brotherhood but as I started getting more and more involved the religious side of it started approaching me more and so I started making my requirements going to mass twice a week confession once a month daily prayers which really help you know it's a good way to start the day it's a good way to end the day always focus back to God and for me I just felt like a better person I felt organized I felt like my intentions were starting to become clear, starting to become where they should be, where it's all focused on God. I feel like Sodality has made me a better man growing up in that the, 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 the moderators of Sodality really have, <laughs> and that the moderators of Sodality really help in that process of growth and they really make sure you're on the right track. And they give you plenty of opportunities to have service, leadership roles, and anything else you need. Just to add on that a little bit, I think whether or not, I think this is a huge, a huge part of it. I think whether or not someone is 
going to Saudi, fully believing in God, a devout Catholic, whether they're just calling themselves a Catholic but know deep down inside that they don't practice that in the real world, I think it helps everyone in a different way. I think sodality for someone who's a devout Catholic can be taking their already strong faith in God and expanding it into not only helping themselves understand God, being able to take that and impose it, not impose it, but make try to help lift other people up into that same understanding. But for someone who might not be as strong a foundation in their faith life, might be able to increase that in their own personal understanding and their understanding of how everyday world um, kind of connects with their personal faith life and how that can work together and grow into um, a good a good relationship with God. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I, I think about with sodality, and yeah, as Kelly was saying, you know, I'm one of the moderators of the sodality, I do the, the sophomore sodality, is it kind of gets me back to some of the things, you know, whether it's practicing for the cornhole tournament or, you know, training for a state cross-country championship, is that those pillars, those those requirements, they can kind of seem like an imposition from on top or something like that. But when you really think about it, it's the foundation that sets you up for success down the road, right? Like, you know, Dad, I know you know from summer running, you, know, you don't always want to get up at 5 a.m. in the morning. Or I know you, some of you guys are doing two a days now or even last week. What, you, did y'all, y'all didn't even get to go to the game, right? We went second half. Second half. Um, but, you know, ha- having those sort of restrictions on maybe you say your freedom maybe seem negative but in the on the when you really think about it it's what capacitates you to have that deeper faith life is that it, it keeps you honest or you say it keeps you um on the right track maybe killing that's what you said what would you say has been the most difficult pillar of sodality to to maintain uh i think probably service i think because Formation, I feel, is a lot of stuff that kind of just happens. You can do it during school. So while you're here, I feel like a lot of times Sally's on my mind. And I'm ready. Oh, yeah, I'll go to Mass this morning. Oh, yeah, I'll go to the meeting. I'll go to confession. I have time. But a lot of times when I'm outside of school and these service opportunities arise, a lot of times I feel like I don't take advantage of them and don't fully fulfill that requirement because it's, it's out of my way. And though it's something that I committed myself to, it's something that seems inconvenient or inconsequential at the time, so I just brush it aside and don't end up. Fulfilling and and that. just to be clear, you're sitting right b- behind this community service director Kevin Murphy, no. uh, as you say how awful services. I difficult. didn't say how awful it was. I said sometimes <laughs> it seems to be. Out- say it was awful. I'm glad. I'm glad. It was a little out of his way and a little uh, oh, pro- probably hard to. Uh, it's hard to make work with your very busy schedule yes. on campus. Dude, what, 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 what do you have in your hand there, Mr. Murphy? But what I have here is a service opportunity that I oh. doubt conflicts with anything on your schedule other than your beauty sleep. And that is to come serve breakfast uh, on a future Tuesday or Thursday morning to the homeless. We meet here at 6 a.m. Let me give you this flyer. Oh, wow. Right. Well, thank you. It's amazing how Providence works out sometimes. That is right. so great. That is great. Oh, this, is, I'm glad. this is, as we talked about before, <laughs> I'm the glad. grace of the angels coming down right upon us. <laughs> And showing us the way we can fulfill our relationship with God. I guess service does come in Jesuit too. I'm glad I can see the Blue Jay page and the grace sign that has fallen on my hands. I will take this opportunity. There you go. 
No, you and, and all of your sodality mates are uh, more than welcome to, to join anytime. Come see me in room 225 to sign up. <laughs> the very same room that we're recording the podcast from. <laughs> Casual little plug there. <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, I think, Patrick, though, you do bring up a good point about a lot of times, you know, when you're looking for to find time to add these extra things, yeah, if they're not foundational to who you are as a person, then it becomes difficult to quote unquote, yeah, find the time. And uh, yeah, so, so it is difficult. I, I see that. Um, Killian, did you want to add anything there? Um, Patrick pretty much covered it where at Jesuit, it's very easy to get all your formation done. You're obviously with all your students, all your friends, the brotherhood's there. So the one thing lacking at Jesuit is service. And that's mostly, most likely going to happen after school, during a weekend, early in the morning. And it's those times where you do find inconvenient. And so it's hard to stay committed to service. But however, like Coach Lamar says in room 308, right? 306? 308. Happiness four is the love of God. (laughs) But happiness three is service. And it's amazing to have served. It's amazing to feel that happiness three. So, <laughs> what was the point of that? Dad's shaking the set here. <laughs> I don't know. Basically, service. Service and the love of God are the two most important forms of happiness in your life we can have. Right. I think that's so what we're trying it's to good, get at. It's good to search for both. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, we're next to Mr. Murphy all the time where we hear in service our reflections like, you know, I, at the end of the day, I realized that I received more than I gave. We hear that all the time in essays. And, you know, you, at the one hand, you can kind of think of it as kind of a, a cheesy saying that maybe they're just writing that because it sounds good. But it's actually a great insight that you have that insight. Like it, it, sometimes we're always so worried about having these unique insights in life, but it's a good thing that when you do service, you realize that you actually get a lot out of it. Now, not necessarily why you should do the service, but there is that Killian is saying, a, a deeper level of peace and happiness that comes from serving others, almost as if like that is what humans are supposed to be doing. Uh, so no, Killian, I don't, I, I got what Killian was saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I got a just, little, I got a little at lost the start there. there. At the start there, it just seemed a little incoherent. <laughs> I got a little lost from my words. Yeah, that's okay. It happens to us all. All right. Well, one last thing that I guess uh, that I was thinking about was, uh, you know, I've been helping out at St. Catherine of Siena teaching the, what's called the Parish School of Religion, where we're teaching the parents of students who don't go to Catholic school, and then they'll go home and teach their children what we teach them in that class. And one of the things that was surprising to me was, you know, these are parents that self-selected to come to this program. So they clearly care about their faith. They care about their children's education and faith. But even they were pretty pessimistic with regards to sort of, let's say, the spiritual landscape uh, out there that, like, our children, our children's friends don't seem all that interested in the faith. They don't seem interested in in going to church. Uh, So I I have a a question for you first, and then I want to get your thoughts on this. Here's the question. Do you think high school students are more or less religious now than they were 50 years ago or 60 years ago, let's say. Um, I think that's something I would have to be 70 years old, 70 years old to answer. I don't, I really don't know how religious high school students were 60 years ago. You're trying to get out of the question, huh? I just don't know. (laughs) Okay. All right. 
If you had to take a guess, if you had to take a guess. I would guess. Do you think we're getting more or less religious as a culture? If I had to guess, I'd guess no. Because there's a lot of other distractions in the daily world today. Our phones, just so much stuff in a little rectangle. It's crazy how much time you can just blink away just staring at your phone. And while there are a lot of things, good things that can come out of that piece of technology, I'm pretty sure 99% of the students here are not reading Bible verses on their phone all the time. So I think I think the new distractions in this day and age have not only like separated the student, your high school student from like the faith life, I think there's a lot more opportunity for high school students to have a valid reason rather than when they were 10 to not go to these masses with their parents, go with their families. So I think, I think yeah, there's probably less, high school students these days are probably less religious than they were 60 years ago. Uh, I do agree with you, Patrick, um, completely. And it's not only the phones, but what I've noticed coming from playing travel baseball and travel sports, people take Sunday less of a rest day now. So travel tournaments happen all the time on Sunday. If you are on a good team and make it to the championship, you're spending the whole day Saturday, the whole day Sunday at the fields. And so you really have no time to go to mass. People are doing more on Sundays and kind of forgetting what Sunday truly is, which is a rest day and it's devoted to Jesus. And people kind of forget that as a society. And so things like that, as the culture grows, it kind of makes kids a little less religious where they don't go to mass that much. They don't see the point. Um, there are more and more schools that don't teach religion as much or don't enforce all school masses or don't require much, much of that. And so it's hard trying to find Jesus with all the distractions and all the turned away society. It's hard to find like Catholicism back in that. Wow. Th- those are way better answers than I was expecting. I thought you were just going to say yes or no, or, or more or less religious. So that was great. That's fantastic. And, and, you know, I definitely see it from my end, both as a teacher and then, you know, not that my daughter is old enough yet to make decisions about going to mass or not. She just, we, we just take her to mass, but I definitely still, you know, if I'm now teaching close to 10 years, I've definitely seen how the, the phones have just escalated. Uh, and, you know, as soon as it's three o'clock, everyone pulls out the phone, they're scrolling on Instagram. And, and I always, I mean, the question I always want to ask, and I'm guilty of this myself more on Twitter, but is like, how many scrolls do you need to do to find that lasting piece? Like I've never seen any kid in the schoolyard after school with, with a cell phone scrolling through Instagram or TikTok that eventually goes, ah, yes. Like now I've, now I've found rest. Like, oh, I am happier now for having wasted these 30 minutes scrolling than I was when I started. Uh, maybe you'll get some laughs in between, but yeah, like Killian, you're saying that that actual rest day uh, seems to be something uh, that we've definitely lost the ability just to to rest, to, to find enjoyment in almost doing nothing. But to answer the question, it, it's kind of it was a trick question. Uh, we mass adherence has gone down. Yeah, so young people, like high school students, are not going to mass as frequently as they were 60 or so years ago, and there's a number of factors for that. 
But what's actually interesting is that as far as religiosity goes, most studies show that y'all's generation, mine included, are more religious or more willing to believe in a higher power or a God. It just so happens that we're not religious in the sense, you may hear the the phrase, I'm spiritual, but not religious. Like, I believe there's a God. I I desire that there's a God or some ultimate being, but I'm not going to go to mass. Uh, I'm not going to follow this, this, this set of rules or faiths. And, uh, I guess I thought, you know, you guys being in Sadaudi and some of the things we've talked about might be in a great position to say, okay, how do you counteract that? How do you approach someone that says, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Why, why should someone be religious and spiritual, not just one or the other? Well, because I think if you're spiritual and you believe in that higher power and you believe and you desire a higher power to take you someplace post-death, I think you have to, I mean, if you believe in the Catholic God and you believe that he exists, there's logically doesn't make sense to throw out everything the Catholic God asked for in order for that eternal happiness, eternal peace. So for me, I think understanding that aspect that these things, these trivial, not trivial, but pretty easy things to accomplish, going to mass every Sunday, not wasting all your time focusing on worldly things, but just looking a little bit past all that and towards that God, I think it makes it makes a lot more sense in your mind to start becoming religious, start fulfilling all these, so to say, requirements to to please that God you're, you desire for. Uh, to go off of that, I'm going to try to create an analogy here. All right. I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> so, joining a sports team, you're playing a sport, you're on a team. You all know there's one big game, the championship, that you're all trying to win. You all know that there's that center center thing that you're trying to you, – you know it's there. You just know it's there. But if you don't practice, do you really expect to get there? It's the same with being spiritual where you know there's that championship, you know there's that central being of the universe. But if you don't practice, do you really expect to get to heaven? If you don't practice Catholicism or any other religion that you feel fits you, you kind of need to stay committed and follow the plan that your religion offers in order to get to the final place. You can't just acknowledge it's there and expect to be there. Well, that one didn't crash and burn. What do you know? <laughs> Killian, that, was, that, was, that was excellent. One question. you Did did you and Miles practice before the tournament? Not at all. But you got there. Killian. <laughs> Killian. You know, one thing, Mr. Forrest was distracted with his daughter a little bit. So Whoa. that might have been so he, one. Are you saying he didn't practice either and your competition was weak? Well, look, Maybe I'm, my analogy is a little weak there, to be honest. No, no, Killian, analogy is spot on. And, and that was what I was saying earlier with, with Dad and the, like, the early morning cross-country practices is that some of those things that do, like, okay, is it easier to stay in bed versus get up in the morning to go practice cross-country? Well, no, it's, of course it's easier to stay in bed. Like, and you probably want to stay in bed. You're probably in the short term happier that you stay in bed. Having been myself years ago on the, the losing end of a state championship, it's not so much fun to watch the other runners cross the line and you realize, shoot, like I could have given it a little bit more. Like I, we could have won had I put in that work, but instead I slept in that day or what, what have you, right? Um, 
and I think when you talk about these ultimate things, heaven, hell, afterlife, talking about angels and, and help from, from God and divine providence, uh, you know, yeah, you definitely don't want to get close to the finish line of your life and think, shoot, like, like I chose club baseball over, over these things, these godly things, right? But in the short term, I can see, like, it, it's difficult to see it sometimes. Very. I think going off of that, I think, I don't know if this is more or less these days than it was in the past, but I hear, at least nowadays, a shocking number of stories of elderly people who have just found some, some, something clicked in their mind and now they realize I've wasted my whole life doing all these material things and whether or not when they were young, they had the same material desires as we do. I'm sure there were some variations, but I think now as they're elderly and understanding that you could have been doing all these in the long term better things when you were young to achieve that greater end goal, I think it really, it's like hard to think about it as, as a kid knowing that I'm just trying to think of how I'm going to feel in 50 years when I'm old and realizing that while I'm glad I'm doing a lot of this stuff today, does that one, that one night out when I, when I just decided not to do anything on Sunday, not go to mass or anything, why would I do that when I could have such a great good by the time I die? I mean, just... that, I mean that's great. As kids, uh, we feel like life is sped up and that we need to get everything done. We have all this shorthand distraction, getting a girlfriend, winning a sports game, even going to practice, video games. It's all a distraction that gives us, brings us shorthand happiness. But as you grow older, all of those go away and you start to focus on the, on the future, which is inevitably death. And so you start to realize, I really need to prepare for that. And the only way, the only way to do that is to become religious and practice. Dang, that's, that's really great, guys. That was, that was really, really good insights. And so, yeah, so maybe that, that should, we should probably play that the practice speech from Alan Iverson. Uh, it's kind of the opposite of what we would mean here, but yeah. So uh, last thing, I guess, before we go is just tomorrow we got the big rivalry game, Jesuit Holy Cross. Um, hopefully we don't need any help from the Angels uh, to win this one, but uh, you guys got any predictions for tomorrow's game? I got, uh, I got Jesuit winning pretty easily. I think... I think it's going to be a pretty easy game. 102nd matchup this year. No offense to any Holy Cross listeners. I think Holy Cross does not have a very... They're not very veteran. I hear most of their entire team is sophomores. And they just lost to Shaw. I heard that was Shaw's first Catholic League victory in over 30 years. Ooh. They just lost to Shaw. Ooh. So, while I believe inside my heart that Jesus is going to win, if we don't win... Are you issuing an ultimatum here? I I don't know. I, I don't want to put something down here because I almost did that for the Brother Martin game because I thought Brother Martin wasn't as good as they usually are. They were better than us anyways. But at the end of the day, I think we need to win this game. This game is important. It's going to come down to our offense has to get working early because I know there are a couple players on Holy Cross that are really talented 
So our offense has to start putting points on the board. We can't wait four quarters to score this time. Uh, for me, this is – Jesuit's just going to wipe Holy Cross. Just <laughs> wipe it. Jesuit has the greatest depth I've ever seen in the roster. You, the backups could be starters for any other team. It's it's incredible. Except our, Brother Martin. <laughs> we, we, we should have beat Brother Martin, and we're going to beat him next time we face him. Right. Wait, excuse me. Let, me. let me finish my analysis here. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. So our running backs – we have around three to four, five maybe solid running backs that swap into the game all like throughout the whole game. For the even for Brother Martin, a big game. And then we have our receivers, which right now we're run dependent, and so we're not passing a lot, but we can flip that instantly. Use our receivers, Jace I almost called him Jason. Jace, JT, Hollis, he's a receiver and a tight end. We got everybody. Um, we're stacked. Kellen, um, yes. what do you say to the people who uh, – the reports that the issue with last game was the offensive line the entire game? I, I will admit, the offensive line struggled a little bit. Um, but to put this in perspective, four holdings. They took up back – our penalties took back Ooh. over 100 yards Ooh. in big plays. They, they were 18 snaps on the ground is what I heard. We need to work on O line. <laughs> However, thing, yeah. with our scrambling, with our scrambling Jack, we got this. I just, I think another another report is that if our run game cannot get going against Holy Cross of all people, I heard it's a rumor that we might be transferring back to the Scott Baines father air raid offense. Pass the ball six hundred yards a game. I like that baby. So, well, I think we both think here that yeah, you, that Jed's going to take a pretty decisive win. You guys got any uh, score, scores? Final oh, scores. Oh, 70-0. Killian's going with 70-0. to zero. I got us 35-10. 35-10. Quit being realistic, buddy. <laughs> Go Jays. Go Jays. All right, y'all. So, again, thank you, Killian and Patrick, for being on the 10-Minute Break podcast. You can check out this episode and the next episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, again, thank you guys for coming on. Anytime, anytime. Yes, sir. I think we have to have a Killian Patrick V2 at one day. Maybe. Wait, was this the whole lunch? Yeah. Yeah, did the bell ring already? No. All right.